Today on Blue 58, it's time to talk about the position group that's been on everybody's mind for months now, especially after the Packers traded Devontae Adams. Wide receiver. The Packers probably need a couple, but who's worth taking? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you here for another episode. Packers have a need at wide receiver. It is pretty clear. It's probably the clearest need I've seen at a position I can't remember when. The Packers rarely go into a draft having a true need at a position as important to them as wide receiver. And I think if you if you want to criticize Brian Gutekunst over the life of his tenure here, it's that he really hasn't invested all that much in wide receiver. We talked a couple weeks back now about draft strategy. And I think that wide receiver is one of those positions that you always need to be backfilling. If it's not a priority backfill draft pick every year, it should at least be a general one. You should be spending draft picks on wide receivers fairly frequently. Probably in the top 100. As soon as every two to three years, you should be dropping one one high draft pick on a receiver. That's how the Packers did it under Ted Thompson, and their wide receiver core was great. And then late in the Thompson tenure, well, I guess after after Devontae Adams, really, they kind of stopped doing that. You had Ty Montgomery, a top 100 pick after that. But other than that, it was Montgomery, guys like D'Angelo Yancey, and Malachi Dupree, and Trevor Davis. Those were the backfills after Devontae Adams. And that's not good enough. So now the Packers find themselves in a position where all of their previous backfill has been cleared out. Jordy Nelson is long gone. Devontae Adams is now gone. Randall Cobb left and came back, and he's now well into his 30s. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the one draft pick that they made at receiver who really kind of worked out, is gone. So you're left with a draft or a, a depth chart that is Alan Lazard, who's good, but I think has very specific uses. Randall Cobb, who's old. Amari Rogers, who we're still figuring out what his role is on the Packers. And then guys like Juwan Winfrey, Malik Taylor, other practice squad types. That is not an NFL receiving room. So the Packers have a need. So what do they need at wide receiver? It's a tricky question. And the answer actually may be pretty simple. Let's explore it. What do they need? Well, first and foremost, they need replacements. Now, can you replace a guy one-to-one? Obviously not, especially in the case of Devontae Adams, a Hall of Fame track receiver. You're not going to get a Devontae Adams replacement in this draft, more than likely. It's possible, I suppose. But betting on getting a Hall of Fame talent, especially one who's going to be a Hall of Fame talent right out of the out of the gate, is is probably foolish. But... If you can't replace players, can you replace skills? I think now we're getting somewhere asking that question. And before I go into f- too many more answers, I want to give a shout out to Carl Anderson. He said I shouldn't answer all of his questions when he asked them in the Discord server because he asked probably 10 different questions related to wide receivers. We're not going to do them all, Carl, but we're going to use your questions to kind of structure the answers here. So can you replace skills? 
I think so, yes. But what skills should you be watching for? I think there are a few must-haves when it comes to wide receivers. You need to have a certain level of speed. More the better, obviously. You need to be able to catch the ball consistently, which was a bigger problem with MVS than I think a lot of people, especially a couple of beat, porter, or beat reporters, would like to admit. Even among deep passing, uh, guys who exclusively caught like deep shots, he was one of the least consistent receivers in the NFL. Just as an example, I uh, did some research on this this week. Among players in the NFL who had an average depth of target of 30 yards or greater last year, MVS is in that category, MVS ranked 17th out of 18 in catch percentage. There were 18 wide receivers who had a comparable depth of target to MVS last year. MVS caught fewer of the passes that came his way than all but one of them. So speed is good. Being able to catch the ball is good. And being uh, being a competent route runner is also super important. There is some wiggle room on all of those things. And Devontae Adams obviously is, was not a, a speed burner, but he was terrific on catching the ball and route running. MVS, just to, to return to that example, was not a dynamic route runner and a little bit inconsistent on catching, but he was so fast that it made up for some of the other stuff. Like even if he only caught half the passes you threw his way, chances are one of those two, on two passes, I guess, was going to be a 40, 50, 75-yard completion. So you you learn to live with stuff like that. Some optional abilities include things like blocking, making contested catches, and getting yards after the catch. Now, the Packers value blocking, I would say, more than most. But I think that may be changing a little bit here this year with Devontae Adams out of the picture. A lot of the, the Packers blocking, in addition to being part of their run game, was because of what they like to do with Devontae Adams. Getting him the ball in space means that other wide receivers are going to be blocking for him. And what do you need? Well, you need big-bodied guys who can block. Making contested catches is a nice thing to have. I don't think it should ever be any any wide receiver's um, primary skill set. And that's where a guy like Drake London in this year's draft class, I think, falls down my personal board quite a bit. In fact, uh, we're not even going to talk about him among the contenders, though he is listed by some as the best receiver in the class. I have some significant concerns there, primarily just the contested catch stuff. And yards after catch, uh, that's not not for everybody, uh, but it's nice to have. If you can set up a guy where he can get the ball and turn up field and go, that is that is a great additional attribute to have. Ideally, you get all of these things in one guy. Then, then you're just set. But chances are you're not going to happen. So get a couple of different guys who can make up a, a receiving room, just add talent to your receiving room. So what kinds of wide receivers could the Packers be interested in? If you're not going to get all the skills in one guy, who are some archetypes we could look for? There's the possession guy, Devontae Adams type, maybe, catching, route running, blocking, the the non-speed attributes of a wide receiver. There's the pure speed guy, who's all deep shots and yards after the catch. Then there's a guy you might just call the playmaker, uh, speed, catching, contested catch sort of stuff. A few different archetypes you can fall into. But should the Packers even be trying to get a specific kind of guy? I'd say generally yes, but it's less specific than it used to. Like we said, the Packers previously tried to get a bunch of big-bodied, good athlete blocking receivers. That's been their trend in the draft with Brian Gutekunst, you know, Jamon Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemia St. Brown, and with undrafted free agents. 
Alan Lazard, though he's technically not an undrafted free agent coming to the Packers. You understand that he still kind of falls into that category. Um, Jawan Winfrey, Malik Taylor, just a lot of big dudes who can block. But I think it's simpler now. Matt LaFleur has been pretty clear about wanting more speed on offense. So I think pretty much you're just looking for a guy who has a certain amount of speed and who has been proven to be a good player. They're really just in add talent mode. And I don't think that the Packers are in a position to try to just get one good receiver in this draft. They should be trying to get two or maybe three. Just draft a bunch of guys and hope that a couple, at the very least one of them, work out. They need to add talent to their receiving room, not just try to fix things with one guy. So how do you find those guys that are good athletes and productive? Well, previously, we had a long series of things that we wanted, a long series of boxes we wanted guys to check. But I'm excited to talk about a new way to evaluate receivers. Paul Noonan at Acme Packing Company has been developing a metric he calls RAPS over the past couple of years, and I think it's phenomenal. It borrows a little bit from baseball, but I think it does it in a really interesting interesting sort of way. So by way of explanation, I'm going to read a little bit of, of a piece that he wrote last year. RAPS is built on a previous metric he called wide receiver OPS. And quoting from a piece now, wide receiver OPS, quote, combines a receiver's catch percentage and yards per catch into one statistic scaled to baseball's OPS stat. 1,000 is good, 900 is very good, 800 is average, and anything below is subpar. Wide receiver OPS is effective in identifying high-level producers because it properly credits all types of receivers by answering the question, is your catch percentage good considering the depth of targets you actually catch? It is a rate stat, and it can also be used to identify efficient players who may lack targets for various reasons. If you're unfamiliar with relative athletic score, it was developed by Kent Lee Platt and aggregates all combine and pro day measurables into a single number on a 10-point scale. Relative athletic score does an outstanding job of identifying the best athletes in a given class. Combining the two gives us RAPS, W-R-A-P-S, an aggregate of production and athleticism in one number. A 20-plus of those two would be outstanding. Closer to 10 would be bad, end quote. I like this because it hits the exactly on the approach that we use. We, we want guys, our three levels of, of prospects. We want guys who are athletic and productive. We want guys who are athletic, but maybe not as productive. And we want guys who are finally productive, but maybe not athletic. I like this too, because it suits, I think, the Packers' needs better this year. Because while they previously were looking for a really specific type, I don't think that's necessarily true anymore. They're just trying to get good players. So who are the players? This class in general, I think, tends towards willowy burners. Guys that are you know, 190 pounds but can run a 40-yard dash in the 4-3 range. It's not my favorite kind of receiver, but I don't necessarily hate it. Speaking more broadly about this class, I'm not entirely sure how deep this class really is. I've heard a lot of discussion about how this is one of the deepest wide receiver classes ever, so on and so forth, and that may be true, but I don't think it's true that there are just a ton of superstars in this class. I think this class is more broad than deep. I don't see a ton of superstar potential in this class, but I do see a lot of guys who seem like they can be like B-plus contributors for a long, long time. And that also, in addition to the Packers' needs, makes me more interested in getting 
a couple of guys than one guy who's just outstanding on his own. So let's look at a few guys alphabetically by last name. According to Paul's RAPS metric, these are all guys who have a, a, a score of 18 or better. So there'll be a couple of guys missing from this list that you, you'll, you've definitely heard of. But I think it is a, a good, solid list overall. First up is Kevin Austin out of Notre Dame. Six foot two, 215 pounds. He's got a relative athletic score of 994, ran a 4.43 40-yard dash. I like that he's 6'2 and 215 pounds, though the Packers, I think, should try to tend away from that, um, that archetype a little bit. I am like Brian Gutekunst in that. I like some mass on my wide receivers. I like also his yards after the catch stuff on tape. He's a big, beefy guy in the open field, and I think that's a, a dangerous skill set to have. There's also some stuff not to like here. Two big red flags in the forms of two foot surgeries in his career. He's also only played 16 games in college as a result of those injuries, plus his suspension in 2019. So you're looking at a really small sample size. Sure, he's been productive, and he is, of course, very athletic, but he hasn't done it for a real long time. If you're looking at a receiver he might remind you of, personally, he reminds me of James Jones, but with really long arms. Just a, a bigger, thicker guy. Doesn't necessarily rely on his speed, but certainly has some to spare. Jumping way down the alphabet, just because of how this class works out, our next prospect is George Pickens out of Georgia. A personal favorite for me. Six foot three, 200 pounds, 935 relative athletic score, based in part on his 4.47 40-yard dash. Mr. Pickens had a really good freshman year, and if you like resilience and good stories in sports, he's got one. Uh, he tore his ACL last spring, returned to play meaningful snaps for Georgia in the college football playoff. That If, if, if that ACL is a still a red flag for you, I understand. It looks like he's 100% back, and given what we know about ACL recovery, he should be headed back in the right direction in terms of, of being stronger than ever because we know that it can take a year plus to really get back to 100% full strength. He does have good time speed, too. If you're if you're looking for things to nitpick about his game as a prospect, the game speed doesn't look quite like a four four seven. And I think there's more reason to be wary about time speed than ever just as Guys get more and more refined in their, their combine prep process. They're getting ultra-polished at these drills, and 40-yard dash is something you can learn to do well. You're always going to be limited by your ability to a certain extent. But he does have it, – it does look like there are some limitations in the game speed a little bit. We're nitpicking, though, because I think he's a good, solid prospect overall. And he actually reminds me a little bit of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, a little bit more refined version maybe. Uh, maybe not so fast, obviously, but – aggressive as a blocker, and just all arms and legs, which is kind of fun to watch. That was one of the best things about MBS is just when he's turning down the field, his long limbs just looks like a cheetah out there just exploding down the field. And Pickens has a little bit of that, though, again, not quite so fast. Sticking with the P's, Alex Pierce out of Cincinnati is another prospect I think is going to be worth watching, especially towards the middle rounds. I don't think he's going to be a day one or two prospect, probably, but at 6'3", 213 pounds, uh, he offers some intriguing size and athleticism. How athletic? 981 relative athletic score, not bad. 441 40-yard dash. You can see consistent growth in his game, too. His stats 
get more and more impressive over his time at Cincinnati. You can see him taking on a bigger role over time, just looking at his, his statistical profile. It's been good. He definitely doesn't look like a 4-4-1 guy off the line, though. And I think, kind of like with George Pickens, you can learn to run fast to a certain extent. He's definitely, even if he does have that top-end speed, once he gets going, he's a long strider type. Big guy, big long steps, and as a result, kind of reminds me of Alan Lazard. Once he's up and moving, Lazard is, is pretty fast, and so is Alec Pierce. But he's a big-bodied athlete, and he needs a bit of a runway to get going. I think there's a place for a guy like that in the Packers' offense. I don't know if there's a place for a guy like that in the Packers' offense when they already have a guy like that in place on the Packers' offense. But still, like we said, the guys, the Packers just need to add talent overall. James Tolbert is my next prospect out of South Alabama. Six foot three, 190 pounds, one of those willowy burner types that we talked about, but not necessarily a burner either, just a 449 40-yard dash, a bit slow, air quotes, for his weight, as though 449 could ever be terribly slow. As a result, 859 relative athletic score. He tore it up against his competition. South Alabama, not exactly a hotbed of football talent in the Sun Belt, not exactly a Power 5 conference. But as we ask him to do, he beat up on the lower-end schools. Over his final two years at South Alabama, 146 catches, 2,559 yards, and 16 touchdowns. That's some good production. I wonder, though, if you can get away with being a 190-pound receiver in the NFL at that height against bigger and better corners. Pro Football Focused also notes that he hasn't faced a Power 5 opponent since 2019. The competition level is going to be significantly different than anything he's faced in a long, long time. He reminds me a little bit of Trevor Davis. Track star first, wide receiver second. There is a place for a guy like that. I don't know where you take a guy like that. Probably third day, late third day, probably at best. Finally, among the guys that I think are real contenders, real super-duper contenders, and we'll, we'll have ex- explanations on a couple other guys here in a second, Christian Watson. Who boy, a climber, right? In a normal draft year, he might be a day two or day three pick. But given just the the hype around him and his testing numbers, he has shot up draft boards faster than just about anybody I can remember. And justifiably so, given some of his testing numbers. Six foot four, 208 pounds, a 996 relative athletic score, including a 4.436 40 yard dash. If you're drooling, I understand. According to uh, the relative athletic score website, the closest athletic comp for Christian Watson is Calvin Johnson, which is bananas. First, that he's even in the same neighborhood as, as Calvin Johnson. But secondly, that anybody can really be compared to Calvin Johnson at all, given that Johnson put up, in many cases, better numbers than Watson did, and did it 30 pounds heavier. He also ran in the four threes in the 40-yard dash, but he did it at 235 plus. He could play tight end for a lot of teams. Again, Hall of Fame talent, Calvin Johnson. But at, that you're at least saying that Watson is comparable athletically to Calvin Johnson, and it's not completely insane, is crazy. He checks all the boxes in a lot of ways. Athleticism, check. Production, 
Check, 20 yards per catch on 62 catches over the last two seasons. That's about as productive as you can hope for a guy to be. He's a good prospect. But I think he's just a prospect right now. I don't think he's an actual wide receiver yet. You look at the level of competition, his production was good, not great. You look at some of the the finer points of of his skill set, route running, consistency in catching, it's, it's not there yet. That you've got to ask questions about where you have to draft him, given the expectations surrounding him after his athletic testing. It looks like he'll have to be a first-round pick. 22 for the Packers, though, way too high. The first round in general kind of seems way too high. But given the buzz around him, it's, it's looking like that might be where you have to take him. Now, buzz is one thing. Actually getting picked in the first round is an entirely different thing. And let's reserve some judgment until we actually see how the draft plays out. There's a a lot of things that you can say about guys that might get taken in the first round. But might get taken in the first round is a pretty far sight from actually getting taken in the first round. So, Christian Watson, he is way better than the comp I'm about to throw out. But I think he's kind of like Jeff Janis, but good, okay? Let me unpack that a little bit. A lot of guys in lower levels of college football can get away with being just super-duper athletes, and they never have to learn how to actually be football players. Even, I think, the most ardent Jeff Janis supporters would say that he was not a terribly refined wide receiver, and I think we're being a little bit generous with that characterization. He was fast, he was big, he was strong, he was a dynamic special teamer. All of that is true. What he wasn't was a refined wide receiver. Watson is at least in that category, even allowing for the fact that he is significantly better now than I think Jeff Janis ever was. First round pick is way too rich for me. Now, there's a couple guys missing from this list. Two right off the bat are Chris Olavi and Traylon Burks. Let's talk about them. Olavi, borderline, borderline cut. Consider this just a cut for time. If the Packers ended up drafting him at 22 or 28, would be perfectly fine with that. He's got the athleticism, and I think there's a reason to believe his productivity might be hurt a little bit by just playing with other good players. I don't really know how you sort that or incorporate that into your analysis, especially if you're building some of your analysis just around stats and production. He's got the athleticism numbers. He's a little bit on the smaller side. He's one of those those willowy burner types that we've talked about. Still, it seems like a good player. If the Packers ended up taking him in the first round, I would not have a problem with it. Traylon Burks, athleticism might be an air quotes problem. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's borderline on a couple of the numbers, but it bumps him way down. I think there's reason to believe he may just have had a bad day of testing, but his relative athletic score keeps him off the top end of this chart. I like everything I've read about him as a as a guy. I like what I've heard about him, you know, going hunting for wild boar with his dogs and his knives. That's awesome. I just I think there's reason if you if you have some concerns about him, that's totally justified. Finally, a guy that wouldn't necessarily hit the thresholds, but seems to be a bit of a mystery because I can't find anybody writing about him at all. Rashawn Henry out of Virginia. 9.38 relative athletic score, a 4.46 40-yard dash, 6'1", 185 pounds. Look, nobody's written a thing about him. 
Nobody's talking about him out there. And I think it might be because he only played 17 college games. But still, he he's productive. He's big. He's athletic. He's got the athleticism. Maybe day three, undrafted free agent type. Who knows? So those are the receivers that I would have you watch. We'll write up a little bit more about some of the other ones at thepowersweep.com when we get to wide receivers. Got a bit of a content backlog here that I got to work through, but I'm, I am committed to getting those up ahead of the draft this year just so we can have some of this stuff on the written record in addition to the podcast. But uh, I think it's a good class. I think the Packers need to come out of this this wide receiver draft with two or three guys that they can they can add to the depth chart this year. And if they can play special teams, so much the better. We didn't even really get into returners and return types. But if they can add that skill set, that would be awesome. Agree? Disagree? Anybody else you'd like to talk about, let me know. I'd love to do it. That's all I've got for you in this episode. I do appreciate you listening in. I'd appreciate it if you enjoyed this podcast, that you would share it with somebody you think would enjoy it too, because that's how we're going to get more people into this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers. And in turn, that's going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.